Welcome to the Owning Your Sexual Self podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Main, awesome wife and dog mom for life. I'm a sex therapist turned sex coach, and I run a successful business selling relationship enhancement products. I absolutely love talking about all things sex. So you can expect this podcast to explore all things related to women's sexual health because that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help you discover and embrace what brings you pleasure so that you can own your sexual self. If that sounds good to you, then keep listening and let's fucking do this. Hello, hello. Happy Monday or Tuesday. You know, I always forget. You might not be listening to this on launch day and that's totally okay because today's topic is something that I'm guaranteeing is going to get a lot of listens to. So you may have just stumbled across this episode or it's very likely that I directly referred you to listen to this episode because it's something that I get asked about a lot and also something that comes up in all of the work that I do. Honestly, all of the work. If, if you're working with me individually, if you're working with me in a group coaching setting, or sometimes even just when I'm talking with friends and family members that are bringing up sexual struggles or sexual challenges that they're facing in their life, and I'm like, listen, here's, here's the deal when it comes to female sexual desire you know, we have, we have what is known as our sexual temperament. And this is something that I got from the book, Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. You all have heard me talk about this book before. It is, I'm telling you guys, if you have not read this book and you're interested in unlocking more to your sexual desire and just yourself as a, as a motherfucking woman, and wanting to get more pleasure for yourself, I'm telling you, this book is a must read. I've listened to it on Audible twice now. I have a copy of the book just so I can reference on paper certain things. And she also has a workbook that goes with it. So I've got the workbook at well as well. And this episode that I'm um, coming at you today with is called Exciters and Blockers. And what that basically comes down to is our turn-ons and our turn-offs. Yes, we have, we have all of us basically this list of things that, that these boxes that we need to be checked. I need all of my sexual exciters to be turned on and I need all of my sexual inhibitors to be turned off. And when those things happen, boom, that's when my desire starts to kick in. All right. And that's when my arousal starts to take place. So this, again, this topic, this, this stuff that we're going to talk about today is, it's so worth knowing. And that's why I love the work that I do because when I can share this information with other people and I can see that light bulb moment go off for them, it is such a changer in their life because they're like, holy shit, like I'm not alone. Like this makes so much sense. This, my body is not broken. My, my vulva is not broken. My vagina is not broken. I, I just needed to know these things in order to understand myself better. And so this is something, these exciters and blockers, this is an exercise that I have all of my coaching clients go through. And so this is just a little free nugget basically for all of you that are listening today. And again, I'm referencing uh, Emily Nagoski. I'm referencing her sexual temperament questionnaire. That's That's what this whole thing is. And this is a way for you to figure out what are your exciters and your blockers. Again, those turn ons or turn offs, okay? So essentially you have, so you have your, your SIS and you have your SES, all right? And on both of those scales, 
you could either be high, low, or medium. All right, and I love this. This is another great way for you to remember this. It's like she uses this analogy in her book. It's as if you are driving a car, right? When you're driving a car, you have one pedal for the gas and you have one pedal for the brakes. And what is it that makes that determination of when to hit the gas and when to hit the brakes? Your brain, right? So often we feel like sexual desire is is what happens between our legs, but it's not. It's what happens between your ears, aka your brain. That is the number one most important sex organ. If this is not turned on, this is not turned on. And that is one of the things that I love being able to teach women specifically because again, if you're thinking about so many different things going on in your day, if you're thinking about all the things that are stressing you out, how much you're not actually into having the sex right now or into intimacy or making a connection or anything like that, you're stressed out about what to make for dinner, what your kids are doing, what are the dogs doing, your boss is a jerk at work, you got stuck in traffic today, you have a long day of work ahead of you tomorrow, laundry is out the door, Mess it all over the room. Faucet is leaking. So-and-so needs to be taken to the, I mean, literally. The list goes on and on and on. So if those are the things that you're focusing on, then that's where your focus is. Your focus is not down here. Your focus is not on let me relax. Let me enjoy this pleasure. Let me experience an orgasm. Let me get more connected with myself or with my partner. And so often it just comes down to we need to slow down. We need to slow down. We need to give ourselves that grace. We need to understand that our pleasure is our priority and our pleasure is our birthright and our pleasure is our responsibility. We have to be the ones that step up and advocate for ourselves and shut off all of those things that I just listed. We got to shut those off. All of those things are what we can categorize as blockers. And we want to turn on the exciters. We want to turn on the things such as smells that make us feel happy. Think about that. When's the last time you got a new, let's say, a wall plug-in for your bedroom? Or you lit a candle? Or maybe you're a scentsy lover and you and you burn some wax? Or you burn some oils, right? When's the last time that you switched that routine up? And what are the, right now, even just thinking of that, what are the smells that you can associate, again, with your brain? What are the smells that you can associate with pleasure or with feeling sexy or feeling sensual? What are those smells? Maybe it's lavender. Maybe you prefer more of a calm, collective, soothing atmosphere. Maybe it's peppermint. Peppermint is known to spark energy and curiosity, and motivation. So maybe you want to smell some peppermint. Maybe it's something floral or roses. You know, Maybe that gives you that sort of sexy, sensual sort of vibe. So thinking right now, taking that moment and thinking to yourself, what are the smells that I associate with sexy? I know for me, it is that damn mahogany teakwood candle from Bath and Body Works. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Shout out to Bath and Body Works. Like I need, I need my cut, y'all, for mentioning you in this podcast. Just saying, but that smell, oh, that smell gets me every damn time. Every time we keep it in, as a wall plug in my husband's game room. So if I ever have to go in there to to bitch at him about playing video games for five hours on end, at least I can walk in and I can feel, I can smell that. Mm, all right, this, this isn't so bad, but let's get off that game and let's take it downstairs for a minute, okay? Okay. All right. So um, anyways, what are those smells? What else needs to be going on around your life that you know 
These things need to be done in order for you to feel turned on. All right. So again, come as you are workbook. That is what I'm referencing from today. And this questionnaire that I'm going to go through with you all again, it's the sexual temperament questionnaire. And essentially this is, this is an adapted version from the sexual excitation slash sexual inhibition inventory for women and for men. Okay, so here's some ideas and you can actually scale yourself. So if you're maybe driving right now, um, this is actually something that I would either come back to. If you want to listen to me all the way through, that's great. But this is definitely something that when you're listening to this, if you're if you have some pen and paper nearby, I would definitely write this write this down or even just jot some of these things down. And um, I will have this up on my website as well um, as a freebie for y'all to go to if you'd rather print it out and um, do it that way too. So, um, and it will be called exciters and blockers. <laughs> something of that nature. It'll be really easy for you to find and I'll also link it in the show notes for you as well. All right. So here is a list of some things to consider for your inhibitors. All right. So these are the, these are going to be things like first one. Sometimes I have so many worries that I am unable to get aroused. And here's your scale. You're going to scale all of these from zero to four. Zero to four, that's your scale. And that's for each of these questions. Okay. Zero is not at all like me, one is not much like me, two is somewhat like me, three, a lot like me, and four, exactly like me. All right, so zero through four, that's your scale. So again, I'll read the first one. Sometimes I have so many worries that I am unable to get aroused. Next one, if I think that I am being used sexually, it completely turns me off. Three, if I am uncertain how my partner feels about me, it is harder for me to get aroused. Again, your scale is not at all, not much, somewhat, a lot, or exactly. And that's a zero through four. You want to number these. All right, next one, if I am worried about taking too long to become aroused or to orgasm, this can interfere with my arousal. And your last one, sometimes I feel so shy or self-conscious during sex that I cannot become fully aroused. I know that one just hit a lot of you in the heartstrings because that is one of the most things, most brought up things when I'm working with people, especially women, is their level of self-consciousness. And typically that comes around their love or lack of love for their body specifically. So, all right, that was your last one. So you want to go ahead and tally those up. Your score, your total is going to be out of 20. 20 is your total. All right. Get that number. Now I'm going to read off the list that she has of exciters. Okay. So these are going to be things that we just went over your possible turnoffs. Now we're going over your possible turn-ons. All right. So exciters. Seeing a partner doing something that shows their talent or intelligence or watching them interacting well with others 
can make me very sexually aroused. Got the same scale here. Zero for not at all like me. One, not much like me. Two, somewhat like me. Three, a lot like me. And four, exactly like me. Your next one. When I think about someone I find sexually attractive or fantasize about, I easily become sexually aroused. Next one. If it is possible someone might see or hear us having sex, it is more difficult for me to get aroused. Ooh, this one, your scale is actually flipped. So four is not at all like me. Three is not much like me. Two is someone like somewhat somewhat like me. One is a lot like me. And zero is exactly like me. All right, next one. If I am very sexually attracted to someone, I don't need to be in a relationship with that person to become sexually aroused. This one, you're back to your original scale. Not at all like me. Zero. Four is exactly like me. All right, and your last one. I think about sex a lot when I am bored. Zero is not at all like me. And four is exactly like me. And that's your last one. So you're going to tally those up. Again, your total is going to be out of 20. All right, so now you have your score. You're able to you're able to score yourself in terms of are you low, medium, or high on in in oh my gosh, I always struggle to say this word. Inhibitors or are you low, medium, and high on exciters? Accelerators. All right, so if you scored on the first section of questions, if you scored a zero through six, you have low breaks. If you scored a, me, a seven through 13, you're medium breaks. And if you scored a 14 through 20, you are high breaks. All right, so if you are low breaks, you're not so sensitive to all the reasons not to be sexually aroused. You don't tend to worry about your own sexual functioning or, and body image issues don't interfere too much with your sexuality. When you're sexually engaged, your attention is not very distractible and you wouldn't be inclined to describe yourself as sexually shy. Most circumstances can be sexual for you. You may find that your main challenge around sexual functioning is holding yourself back. Staying aware of potential consequences can help with this. All right, if you were medium break, 7 through 13, you're right in the middle along with more than half of the women that have been asked this questionnaire. This means that whether or not your sexual breaks engage will be largely dependent on context. Risky or novel situations, such as a new partner, might increase your concerns about your own sexual functioning, shyness, or your distractibility from sex. Contexts that, e- that easily arouse you are likely to be low-risk and more familiar, and anytime your stress levels, including anxiety, overwhelm, exhaustion, depression, escalate, your breaks will reduce your interest in and response to sexual signals. All right, and if you were high breaks, 
You're pretty sensitive to all the reasons not to be sexually aroused. You need a setting of trust and relaxation in order to be aroused, and it's best if you don't feel rushed or pressured in any way. You might be easily distracted from sex. High breaks, regardless of accelerators, is the most strongly correlated factor with sexual problems. All right, now let's go over your score of exciters. So again, you can fall into low, medium, or high. You fall into low if your score was a 0 through 6. Medium is 7 through 13. And high is 14 through 20. So if you scored low under the exciters, you're not so sensitive to sexually relevant stimuli and need to make a more deliberate effort to turn your attention to to that wavelength. Novel situations are less likely to be sexy to you than familiar ones. You're a person whose sexual functioning will benefit from adding a greater intensity of stimulation like a vibrator and daily practice of paying attention to sensations. Lower accelerator is also associated with asexuality. So if you're very low accelerator, you might resonate with some aspects of the asexual identity. Medium. You're right in the middle, so whether or not you're sensitive to sexual stimuli probably depends on the context. In situations of high romance or eroticism, you tune in readily to sexual stimuli, and in situations of low romance or eroticism, it may be pretty challenging to move your attention to sexual things. 70% of the women asked have fallen into this range. And if you are a high accelerator... You're pretty sensitive to sexually relevant stimuli, maybe even things humans aren't generally very sensitive to, like smell and taste. A fairly wide range of sexual contexts can be sexual for you, and novelty may be very exciting. You may be a person who likes having sex as a way to de-stress. Higher accelerator is coordinated with greater risk for sexual compulsivity, so you may benefit from paying attention to ways that you manage stress. Your sexual function may benefit by making sure you create lots of time and space for your partner. Because you're sensitive, you can derive intense satisfaction from your partner's pleasure, so you'll both benefit. About 16% of women asked fall into this group. And she gives a little chapter, a little, uh, not chapter, a little paragraph here on what medium means, right? Because again, this is the most common for women to fall in. So I want to read this to you as well. All right. So if you scored middle on both, more than half of people do. Being very high or very low on these traits is is comparatively rare. So for the majority of people, the value of the dual control model lies not in discovery that, wow, my brain is extra sensitive slash not sensitive to this kind of simulation. So I need to pay attention to that. The value instead lies in the insight that the brakes and the accelerators are two separate systems. Some things in the world activate your accelerator, which makes you eager. Other things hit your brakes and slow down your arousal process. And some things hit both at once. Your partner may touch you in a way that you really enjoy, but at a time when it's not appropriate for you to be aroused, like in the public or when there's a risk of unwanted pregnancy. Every score on this is normal. The key is to understand that your brain reacts with both turning on the ons and turning off the offs. 
notice what hits your brakes and activates your accelerator, and then you can begin to recalibrate your life to suit your brain. And just like I said a little bit earlier, we often think that it's what goes on between our legs, but it's not. It's what goes on between our ears, aka our brain. And that is why, gosh, you guys, that is why I love doing this work. I love to be able to share these different things, whether it's here through the podcast, whether it's in my coaching work, but I'm telling you, the women that I've worked with, when they hear things like this, it's it's that immediate sense of size, that immediate sense of relief, like, oh, wow, okay, now I understand. And now my job as your coach is to help you make the changes in your life or adapt to the things that are happening in your life to create more, more positive stimuli for you, more things that are going to help you feel sexually aroused and also alleviate some of that stress. And whether or not that stress is coming from pleasure or intimacy or lack thereof, we are just stressed people. <laughs> that is just how humans operate. We are always stressed. We have always always something going on. Always There's always something. I know that you all agree with me on that. But while there always is something going on, there's also always the time for us to make time for ourselves, To make time for that morning coffee. To get up a little bit extra earlier before everybody in the house awakes. Maybe sit in your car for about 10 minutes before you walk inside the house. Just to woosa and de-stress. Maybe jam out to the radio. I don't know. Maybe you want to sit on your porch and you just want to take in the scenery and the atmosphere around you. Pay attention to the animals, the sounds, the creatures, the wind, all of that. Practicing mindfulness, that that is something that can really, really help, really help us just slow down and tune off in a way that we can tune in to what's going on inside our bodies, paying attention to our breath, paying attention to those sensations again. The sensations is what we want to focus on. The sensations are the things that we want to happen. We want to create that stimuli that's going to help those sensations increase, which helps our level of desire increase. And I would love to hear your feedback. If you listen to this episode and you and you took this quiz, if you took the time to go back and listen and you actually wrote down these questions or you went to the website and got the freebie, I would love to hear. I would love to hear from you what, what came up for you. What realizations did you make? What are some things that you can indicate that maybe have been going on pretty regularly for you that are causing you to hit the brakes? Again, remember that car. You have a gas and you have a brake. Are you going or are you stopping? And what are you telling your brain to do? Or what is your brain telling you to do? And what are the things happening around you that are telling your brain to make that choice of gas versus brake? That's what this episode is for. That's why I loved this chapter and this section of, of her book and of this workbook. By the way, you can get both of these on Amazon. That's, that is where I got my copies from. So anyways, exciters and blockers. I hope this was a helpful episode for you. This, again, is something that comes up quite, quite often in the work that I do. So it was about time I made a podcast about it. I know this will be a great resource to be able to use in the future. Uh, definitely share this with somebody too. If you found this very helpful, if you've been talking with a friend that is being challenged with some sexual things in her life right now, go ahead and shoot this over to her. 
say, hey, I came across this and I really thought of you. I had some great takeaways from it and I thought you might too. It's as simple as that. All right, and definitely email, send me a DM on Instagram, whatever you wanna do if you have any questions that come up um, or definitely if you are interested in working together with coaching, whether one-on-one or joining one of my group programs. And I cannot wait, cannot wait to hear from you. Cannot wait to hear that feedback. Cannot wait to start potentially working together as well. All right, y'all, take care. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a thing. And if you loved it so fucking much, be sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see you next week. And until then, keep owning your sexual self.